With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Big and Fruity. A podcast for people who like a glass of wine. Sit back, relax, pour out a glass of your favorite wine, and join our host, Mr. Dave AC, for the next hour, while we enjoy some nice wine. And here he is now, the man who likes a good glass of red wine, your host, Mr. Dave A.C. And welcome everybody to another episode, episode 35 indeed, of the Big and Fruity. Big and Fruity, yes, it's a Big and Fruity wine podcast for a gentleman like myself who likes uh, big powerful reds, or fruity reds. And uh, we've got um, Jorvik in the room with us and guest three just dropping in as the recording started. So uh, Jorv- Jorvik is on audio. Uh, Jorvik, you're most welcome. Yes, nice to see you again. And I've put a link in the room. That's what I'm drinking at the moment. Oh, well, let me uh, let me have a little look at that, please. Um, <clears throat> let me just... Um, find a spare a spare window and why do you say that well i've had a little bit of excitement prior to the recording of big and fruity because i also do a vlog uh, that's on blip.tv it's blip.tv forward slash dave ac and i should have been doing that on friday i don't indeed normally do that on a tuesday when of course the big and fruity airs I should remind you that if you want to join us live, Big and Fruity airs every 5pm Eastern Daylight Time, that in the UK is 10pm uh, British Summer Time, on TalkShoe. The call ID, excuse me, is double two, uh, double one, double two, seven two, and you can join in either text chat or also on audio, as you heard we have uh, Jorvik in the room, both in text chat and on audio and guest three uh, in uh, chat only. Well, just prior to this uh, call going live, as I say, I was actually doing my vlog. Now, I usually do the vlog direct to camera. I have a, a Pro 9000 uh, Logitech webcam, which will uh, work in high definition. Uh, that's 1280 by 720. And uh, I do a straight to camera 15-minute uh, vlog, which talks about uh, Doctor Who and sci-fi, about podcasting, about some of the tech stuff I've seen on the web, and I always end with a wine. But today I've done it as uh, using this um, screen capture program called Screencast-O-Matic, and um, 
the idea was to uh, just give those people on my vlog an idea of what the Big and Fruity was like. I've recorded, unfortunately, the clock timer seemed to be ticking by very slowly indeed, so I'm not too sure how long that is, as I welcome guest four into the room. Guest four, I'm just giving a short preamble as to what I was doing prior to the start of the Big and Fruity. We haven't got really into the topic yet. This is just by way of an explanation. So hopefully in the next day or so, if you look on my iTunes feed, or if you look on my um, blog site, which is uh, wordpress.com forward slash Dave AC, you will find uh, the latest version of uh, the V-blog. I will put that link in the room. Uh, and then we'll get to other matters and where it goes Dave AC blog and I shall just put that in uh, you will see on that blog where I post about the Cotton Collective podcast that we do and if you scroll down that page you'll also see the most recent V blog that was Dave AC V blog 195 so as I say, as an experiment, I've just done that screen capture and that may well end up as being Dave ACV blog 196. If it all goes pear-shaped, it won't. But let me, I'm interested now to see uh, what Jorvik is drinking. Jorvik, while I just check that link, would you just like to tell our listeners what it is while I just gather my senses? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> I thought I'd go for a change today. So I've actually got a rosé. Ah. And, uh, it's uh, mostly chilled. It's uh, First Cape Limited Release Shiraz Rosé. And it's uh, South African. And the description says it smells of strawberry, tastes of raspberry and fruit. And I agree. <laughs> exactly. That is a very good description. It's, uh, I definitely have... Yeah, I've definitely had that sensation before where the nose is different than the actual taste. And, of course, for our American listeners, we should say in the UK it's often described as a rosé, um, but Americans might m refer to it more as a blush. Um, certainly with them, or indeed in the case of Zinfandel, where you have what I would call a, a rosé, a Zinfandel rosé, they actually call it uh, white Zinfandel. But, um, yes, a rosé... That's usually done by the fact that they, they, they skins are... Well, there's two ways. Um, the, the, the traditional way is that the skins are taken out halfway through the process. Presumably the skins are in some sort of uh, muslin, uh, some sort of separated way in which they can be taken away from the, the, the rest of the grape juice so they don't impart the full colour. Uh, the other option, of course, is that... Not, uh, that's, Half of the grapes are, I suppose, skinned before they're put in, and those skins that are taken out are used for other wines where it's a ripasso wine, and they leave more skin in it to give it that sort of um, twice-maturated taste. Uh, and the other, the other possibility is, of course, is the industrial process, where basically they have a little bit of, um, you know, they do the the. It is a white and a red, and in some way, the, in an industrial process, they make a blended wine that gives the rosé. <clears throat> in other words, the cheap way of doing it. So, uh, is, is, it a, is it 
an overly sweet wine, or is it still quite no, it's, tart? Um, it's pleasantly tart. It's uh, a really good, crisp wine. Really nice. May I ask what you paid for it? I can't remember what you said. Yeah, um, well, normally it's it's just over £8 a bottle. Right. If you buy um, a split case, a half case from Tesco, they have reduced it to 5 69 a bottle, 25% off. But this bottle came in, you remember that um, mix case I got? Right. Uh, so I've actually paid uh, about £5 for it. So I've got an £8 wine for £5. So, right, uh, but you said it's normally what uh, five pounds sixty nine. Uh, normally, it's over eight pound. Um, if you've got a case of six bottles from Tesco at the moment, they give you twenty five percent off, which uh, drops it to five sixty nine a bottle. I'm just trying to see if I can find uh, for our American listeners. Um, that that's about nine dollars. The um, the five sixty nine equates to about a nine US dollars. Um, so, um, but you probably got it nearer to uh, seven dollars, I suppose. Yeah. Excellent. Um, good, good indeed. Well, uh, um, Jorvik has a slight advantage to you, other listeners, because he was in the room while I was doing my uh, V blog, uh, and because. At the end of my V-blog, I taste a wine. Uh, the Big and Fruity, by the way, this episode is Big and Fruity Takes Potluck. I said that I would go and grab uh, one of the wines out of my little stock of wines in the pantry area of my kitchen. And because I was doing this double boot, as it were, where this wine was going to feature on uh, two shows, it's slightly better than potluck because I have two stashes of wine. Oh, yes. I'm a man prepared for the future. I have have my sort of everyday wines and stored uh, in a slightly better position in terms of a more regular temperature. Uh, Nothing fancy, man. It's just just by way of experiment and and having a a thermometer there and and seeing which is the best place. Um, I keep my better wines together. And there's only about a dozen of them. Uh, As I say, um, I, I... Partly, it was potluck, but it was from the better section, if that's not too uh, mixed up. And as I say, uh, the wine is Black Tongue Shiraz 2010, Barossa Valley, Domain Barossa, and it's um, 14.5%. And uh, Jorvik knows a little bit what I'm going to say about it. But, um, uh, oh, and the wine mix, I think it's a German one, it must be with this name. Todd Reinmuller is the winemaker. And I'll tell you what he's written on the label in a moment. But as I take a, a lovely little sniff of it, uh, it's like I've done uh, picking blackcurrants in late summer. It's got that lovely, you know, when you go into the dank, shady parts, little hillsides where they get a little bit of sunlight. Uh, I, as a child, used to go with mum and dad picking. Um, blackberries and you get it all over your hands which is part of the fun of course and usually it's wet underfoot you're slipping and sliding and you're trying to not get prickled all over the place so you've got that little sort of nettly wood woodlandy smell and you've also got the uh, lovely that kind of, as a child of course you'd always be eating half of them making sure you didn't eat any little uh, maggoty things anyway it's got that lovely smell 
might even have some of the meat of the maggots in. Let's have a taste. And it's definitely jammed full of dark black currant fruit. Almost going to the plummy jammy side. And there's vanilla, there's oak, and it's a lovely long, long finish. And the, although it's quite complex characteristics, the, the actual finish is basically a tail-off finish. It's not bringing in any of the flavours. I don't think I'm getting any licorice on this, but we'll have a, another little taste. And that is lovely. I think, as I say, this wine is probably a £10 wine. So it's about an $18 wine. Let's read what Todd has written on the side of the label. When I taste my best Shiraz, I always end up with black tongue. This wine displays the classic characteristics of full-bodied Barossa Shiraz. There are fruit flavours reminiscent of old dark chocolate, pepper and blackcurrant. It has fine tannins and balanced oak from careful ageing in new and seasoned French and American oak. And I didn't really pick up on that pepper. Yeah, it's certainly got the vanilla and the oak and that beautiful, really tart fruit flavour. So that is the wine. Let me just uh, put in again, uh, although I, guess I was going to put in again for guess for the actual uh, sweat pick, but what I can do is I will put it in again because I want to refresh the page, see how many people have checked it, and they've actually been uh, 35 viewings already, and it's only been up. Uh, an hour ago and let me read out the Twitpick URL remember any letters I mention are all in small case so it's twitpick.com forward slash 9dgw5c and um, as uh, at least your bit can see at the moment and others later it's a very uh, uh, majestic very heavy bottle, by the way, Jorvik. That's another thing I think is a little bit of a trick of the marketplace. Uh, you know, you, you, you really have this bottle of wine. And I'm not joking, obviously. It's got the same content of wine in, uh, 750 millilitres. So the wine is probably no different in weight than any other red wine. Uh, but I would say this weighs at least 50 to 60 grams uh, more. The, 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 the weight of the bottle is equivalent to the weight of a bag of sugar, uh, Jorvik, which, I don't know whether that gives you an idea. Yeah, that's, what, two pounds, is it? Certainly, yeah, certainly um, one kilogram, 2.2 pounds, I think. It's certainly, uh, you know, they've, they've gone all out to give it a very classy look. And uh, just by way of a little side tale, nothing to do with the topic here, but um, went out for a meal with, uh, friends and family on Saturday night. <laughs> it was this was rather strange because um, uh, the day before on Friday I had been planning to do my Davy CV blog, and I'd got uh, one of the wines that uh, I've had before, and I'll be talking about this sort of thing by the way next week because next week Big and Fruity is on standby, and the wine I was drinking on Friday was one of my standby wines, especially when it's reduced, and that was that Campo Vigio. Uh, that was the uh, Rioja, uh, the Spanish Rioja wine. And I, uh, in fact, I think I'd drunk it on Thursday and had about half a bottle left. Anyway, we go out on Saturday night to this pub 
uh, well, to a restaurant. I won't mention it because the, the food wasn't anything more than average. Um, but uh, when I got the wine list, and they usually let me choose the wine, although my cousin has a, they, she has white wine. Um, uh, we picked um, uh, a Savignon Blanc for her. I can't remember which one it was. But would you believe it? There on the uh, the venue, uh, the wine thing, was the Campo Vigio. Now, I bought it, I think it's normally, in fact, today when I was at the supermarket, it's back to its full price of eight ninety five nine pounds So £9 would be, what, 16, uh, $15 to $16. Uh, in the restaurant, they were selling it for £16, well, £15.95. £16, that is, what, uh, $25. So it just proves that the markup in a UK restaurant at least is 300%. I don't know whether you've got any experiences of things like that, Jovic. Uh, no, no. Okay, but um, that seems to be the current markup uh, around 300%. Uh, and obviously, if they add any, I mean, having said that, I, I, let me just add a proviso. If they bought it at the normal uh, supermarket price, which is eight ninety nine, then it's two hundred percent. It doubles it. But if they they've got any sense, then they can either get it supplied cheaper, and when they see it in the supermarket, they grab about three dozen bottles of it. Uh, then uh, they're making uh, ten pound a bottle on that. So that's not too bad at all. Okay, we've got um, two little things for the actual subject after tasting that wine, and I'll be sipping it again in a moment. Um, one is um, a little bit of a wine fact, and that is just something, I may have mentioned it before, but um, I've got uh, an iPad. Uh, it's the one I brought on my son. And um, just want to mention that I um, found a little um, app for my iPad. It works on the iPhone as well, and it's called Wine Dictionary. So if you do have an iPad or an iPhone, and you go to the iPads, uh, sorry, the apps thing, just look out for Vine Dictionary. I think it's just cost me 69p, so it's basically a $1 app, a 99-cent uh, uh, app. But it's a smashing little app, so if, the, if, if, um, if I, well, let me look up the term rosé. Let's see if it comes up with anything on that. Of course it won't now, will it? Rosé, come on. Now you should, you should always check. You should always check these things. Oh, here we are. Rosé. Rosé is still wine or rosé. Oh, that's not very good. It's got here, Jorvik. Um, rosé, French. Rosé, still wine or rosé. Then it says champagne. White champagne is blended... Uh, with a, ri a rich uh, couture champagnes, and I'll spell that C O T E A U X, and then champagnes. So I suppose what they're trying to say is that's explaining how you can have a pink champagne. Not really got a lot on rosé. That's rather disappointing. Let me do one more. Um, let's put in. Um, Put in wine taint, uh, taint. Oh, taint. It's come up. When I, I put in the uh, dictionary, just the word taint, 
but it's taking me in, not to the letter T, but it's taking me to the letter C, talk, talk, taint. But I'm afraid it's not got a lot there. It just says, French, a wine fault, musty smell in a wine. So perhaps that's not as useful as I thought it was. So at 69p, I suppose it's not too bad. So let's get on to the main topic for today. And um, that is famous people who have wines are wine connections. And um, this was something when I was looking back on uh, one of the um, old uh, wine consumer wine brands episodes that um, uh, one of the things that we we talked about with Anderlo a long time ago was um, I think it was um, relating to one or two people and it was uh, Gerard Depardieu, if I pronounced his name rightly. Uh, the film I remember him most for was uh, Chirano de Bergerac, or whatever it's called. You know, the guy with the long nose. And he was also in a film called Green Card. Um, I don't know if uh, you're aware. In fact, uh, Gerard Depardieu was on, on a TV interview program just recently. Are you aware of him as an actor, Jovic? Yes. I, I rate him as an actor as well. Yeah, he was on um, the Graham Norton show, wasn't he? Yeah, just recently. Well, he's yeah. he's he's got uh, a wine, uh, not only with his name on the front, but he's supposed to have you know, sort of be blended to his likes. Anyway, I put a link in the room, and it's a Wikipedia page, and we're keeping it to a fairly brief topic today because I knew that um, because of doing that double thing at the beginning. Uh, I was going to have less time to be uh, au fait with lots and lots of details. But it's wiki, and if you put in Google, list of celebrities who own wineries and vineyards, and it's um, I think that's the easiest way of giving you the link, and it uh, talks about types of um, celebrity involvement. Some of them are just where they've actually lent their name to a wine, well, this is where you know they've made their pile of money, uh, and they've decided to go into um, actually quite seriously into wine. And I'm just going to pick out some names that perhaps our listeners may have heard of. Uh, you know, not necessarily uh, just wine ones. For instance, Dan Aykroyd, comedian. Um, Dan Aykroyd wines. Well, you can't get much more involved than that. Uh, Dan Aykroyd of Saturday Night Live. The Bruce Brothers, and of course one of the guys in the original Ghostbusted. Um, if you see any names you want to mention, by the way, Jovic, just chime in, please. Um, Raymond Burr, of course, uh, the very famous uh, actor. Ironside. Uh, yeah, Ironside. Um, what was the other one? Perry Mason. Also, he, apparently, he was an expert in the growth of orchids. Um, and quite often on some of his programmes you would see him. I think he was in a Columbo episode as well once. But um, he's got a vast repertoire. But um, there's actually, the, as I say, the Raymond Burr Vineyards. Um, so absolutely is involved. Of course, then I should just say that uh, he's no longer with us. Uh, he died uh, in 1993, aged 76. I thought he was older than that when he died. Um, and uh, just um, check where his vineyard is. Well, that's a pity. It doesn't say. 
Uh, I'm just wondering whether it is actually in American vineyards or not. That's a pity. Not really getting... Does it stay there? Where is it? Is it Dry Creek Valley, California? Okay, Francis Ford Coppola. Do you want to mention any films that he's been uh, directed? We've got uh, the Godfather series, of course. That's his most famous uh, set of work. Um, what else? The Cotton Club. Peggy Sue got married. Uh, Dracula. The Rainmaker. Uh, Many, many other things. Well, he's got his vineyard, and that's Rubicon Estate Rhine. Of course, famous to cross the Rubicon, isn't it? I think, uh, and that's in the Napa Valley, California. There's right below his name is um, uh, Gerard Depardieu, uh, and his is uh, Chateau de Tigue, I think that's pronounced T I G N E. And that's in Anjou, the Lavoir. Valley in France. Uh, Ernie Els, the famous golfer. Ernie Els wine. And that's um, Stellenbosch in South Africa. Um, uh, and uh, quite a few of these, by the way, are in collaboration with, and his is in collaboration with uh, Engelbrecht Els Vineyard. Nick Faldo, another golfer. Nick Faldo wines. Uh, Kunawara, Australia. Uh, Mick Fleetwood. Now, is Mick Fleetwood one of Fleetwood Mac? Uh, that's your area of expertise, isn't it, Jorvik? Yes, that's right. Um, I, I've also put a link in the room um, of a Gerard Dipperdu, um interview talking right. about his wine, and I've also put a, um, a link to uh, another one that shows celebrity vineyard owners and uh, in there is Dan Aykroyd. Right. Uh, he's got uh, vineyards. Um, Antonio Banderas. He also oh, is a yeah. vineyard owner. Z Zorro. Zorro, yeah. Our, our puss um, in boots, whichever you prefer. prefer. That's it. Um, <laughs> just going down. Also, also Francis Ford Coppola as well. Yeah, we just just covered him. Yeah, that's probably why um, you were looking him up. Um, I've actually, I'm sure somewhere on my hard drive, I've got an interview with Gerald De Debreu because I provided it for Randolph when uh, we were doing something um, about about that. Oh, it must be three years ago. Madonna, Madonna, uh, Sacchino Vineyard and Winery. That's C I double C O N E, and that's in Michigan. I'm quite. Yeah, she, she owns it with her father. Look. Oh yeah. Ah, that's her old surname then, right? Um, yeah. Another one just underneath there, Sam Neil. If you. Sam Neil, the smoking yeah. Yeah, Jurassic Park. His is called Two Paddocks in Central Otago, New Zealand. A living yeah. Newton Dion. Koala yeah. Blue Wines, South Australia, founded with a business partner Pat Farrar. Greg Norman, another golfer. Uh, we'll just list a few more here. Uh, stop me if you think there's any you really want to talk about. Uh, Greg Cliff Norman Richards Estates. There, look. Cliff Richards as well. Ah, right. Well, uh, let me just read uh, Arnold Palmer. Let's go down to where he is. Oh, yes. Diego de Cantor, is that? In the Algarve, Portugal. Hmm. Um, 
I, I'm thinking this is rather exciting. I, I thought this was a little bit of a stopgap topic since I was doing the other things, but I, I've got an urge to try some of these now, at least one of them. Um, let, I'm going to go back because I think I've perhaps flipped through other names that people might know. Let me just check and see. No. Yeah, Emilio Estevas is there. Right. Oh yes. Uh, uh, now was he the guy in Chips, uh, the the motorbike one with his? Uh, Amigo Estevez is um he's Martin Sheen's son, isn't it? It's Charlie Sheen ah. and Amelia Estevez. One took the family name and one took the acting name. Right, right. I'm just looking to see if we missed any out. Any, anyone that I know, of course. I mean, they're they're all obviously famous because they're on this list. I think that's pretty much picked the yeah. ones out that stand out for me. Mike Weir. Where, what, why, why do I know Mike Weir? Oh, this is another golfer. Because uh, golf is one of the sports I follow. I thought, I'm thinking, Mike Weir, is he a musician? No, Mike, uh, Mike, Mike Weir wines, Niagara, Pennsylvania, Canada. Now, Canada's pretty northern to be producing wines. Um, I think I might take a look at that one. Where's the Niagara? Uh, did, you know that, um, did you know that we've got a vineyard here in Holmford? Oh, now, I did uh, a programme, uh, one of these on English wines. Is that the one that's the most northerly English vineyard? Uh, no, it's not the most most northerly, but it's um it's just opened up. They've got a nice visitor centre, uh, Holmfirth uh, Vineyard, and uh, I've actually tried a bottle, and it's really nice. Have you have you got a link at all by any chance? Uh, I will find one for you. And while you talk about that, when um I've got a friend who's just moved to Landudno, I think I mentioned this before, and he brought me um some Welsh wine. Now did I? do a picture of that in my script pick. I can't remember whether we actually featured that on this show or whether I featured it on um, there it is yeah I did on uh, now which pod, which one was that I should put numbers to this show let me just see if I can do a count um, we're both working feverishly in the background those people listening to the audio one two three four it's um, I put the link in. It's for the Holmfirth, and it's quite simple. It's HolmfirthVineyard.com. Excellent. I'm just counting at the moment. Uh, I think it's episode twenty. Uh, let me put this one in for your Vic, and I'll read it out. Um, this is the Welsh wine. Uh, and it's Glyn's Mon, uh, Gwyn Cymru, uh, Welsh wine, Welsh medium dry red. And that is twitpick.com uh, forward slash 88INWR. And let's see if very quickly I can just confirm which episode that was. I think it's episode 20 when I did that. Uh, no, it might not be. 
This is always a, doing things that you're not prepared is not always the best of things on this. Um, I'm having to refer back to my written, handwritten notes, which if you're anything like me at handwriting, you'll know that that's uh, rather a difficult task. Now, I won't search for it anymore. I'll tell you what, why not just listen to all my back episodes? How's that for a plan? Housewives, there we are. I found it. It was episode 21, and the title was, the subtitle was Wine from Many Lands. Um, so, yeah, Welshwine. I'm just going to take a moment out because I want to have a sip of my drink, and I want to check this uh, Home Firth URL that Jorvik has kindly put in the room. And I'm also just checking to see if anybody else has joined us. No. So, um, as I've said to anybody before in past recordings, um, my target audience is those people who are listening to the downloads, except when somebody's taking the trouble to come on the show live. And in that case, I try and, you know, uh, not necessarily tailor the show to their needs, but certainly make it much more inclusive for that person. And that's why... Oh, right. Home Firth Vineyard. And um, now, why will our listeners possibly know of Home Firth uh, in regard of any other fame? Um, Last to the Summer Wine. Ah. And there's a good ah, title for how you. How appropriate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and there's something else. Isn't Home Firth... It's, no, it's not where it's not where there's a famous uh, historic house, is it? I'm thinking of. Um, no, it's, it's no. got quite a lot of fame. Um, uh, reputedly, it's the home of the postcard. <coughs> the, the, main, the main commercial postcard was developed in Holmfirth, and also Holmfirth had uh, was producing movies before Hollywood, and they had uh, comedy movies and everything. So it's got quite a lot of history. Right. Uh, Holmfirth was the yeah the home of Bamford and Com, Co, well known for their cheeky seaside postcards. And I was just reading that Rom, I don't know where it was, somewhere. I think it might have been on that um, uh, TV show we were talking about a minute ago. Somebody said that um, Ronnie Corbett, or somewhere it said, he had a collection of these cheeky postcards. He's just sold them for about £40,000. He had something like 20,000 of them, you know, yeah. uh, saucy postcards. They, they are reputed, Holmford's reputed to start the uh, cheeky postcard thing. Uh, and there's, there's a pub in the main street called The Postcard as well. Right. And um, uh, if you can check on... Holmford, by the way, for our American friends, is spelt H-O-L-M-F-I-R-T-H. And we're, we're both... Well, I'm checking the wiki... Um, oh, it's on the Woodhead. I mean, the Woodhead Road from where I am goes out uh, as you go towards Glossop from here. Um, the, the, there's one way you turn towards Glossop. The other one is where you, you head out to the Woodhouse, uh, the Woodhead Pass. Uh, I used to teach there at a place called Tinsel, uh, but you go straight on there. there so a, um, a far faster way for you to get to Holmfirth, and that's the 635. So if you were to go through Aston Underline... Actually, on the line, yeah. that will take you straight to Holmfirth from Manchester. 
Oh, right, right. I'm just off the 635, and I'm literally a mile from the 635, and if I get on the 635, that road will take me all the way to Manchester Piccadilly Station. Right. So, but but you say uh, you, you you have tried the Holmfirth wire. Yes, what do very you, nice. What do you say? Oh, you said right. And what is it? I mean, presumably if it's made there, I'm assuming it's a white wine this far north. Uh, there is there is um, a vineyard further north, more your way. Uh, I think it's um, between you and Preston. Right. That claims to be the, the most northerly. <clears throat> but this is uh, a vineyard, a fairly new vineyard, but they've got a visitor centre and uh, a cafe restaurant. And as you see, they offer lots of packages, tours, and all that sort of thing. But um, it is quite nice. All right. And um, I should really refer to my own show, because I talked about uh, videos. Let me just put this in most. You can tell this is a live show, folks. But it's live when we're doing it, anyway. Mm-hmm. It'll be a nice little trip for you in the summer to, to pop over and have a look. Yeah. Uh, why? I'm just going to see... UK's most northerly vineyard is once the page refreshes or will be relieved is up for sale. There you are. We could go in business. We could buy it between us. You got a spare couple of quid to rub together. Uh, am I right in saying it's somewhere Preston way? Uh, Bolton. Bolton. Oh well, that's not far off. Let me put the uh, link in the room. So anybody there, you've heard it here first. If you want to buy a vineyard, we know one for sale. Uh, the UK now, of course, that could be an old link. Let's see what the date is on the link. It's uh, we're looking at the Lancashire Life magazine. That's strange. It doesn't tell you. Oh, it's on offer. Oh, it's a snip, Jorvik. It's less than a million pounds. Eight hundred ninety-five thousand. Well, I've got a fiver if you can put the rest. <laughs> well, if they can grow uh, uh, grapes in this area, I might, I might try in the garden. Right. And, of course, one of the things I mentioned before on past shows is that um, uh, the Champagne people actually own quite a bit of land in southern England uh, because the, the chalk-facing uh, uh, fields... Are ideal now. I don't know what they do. Whether they use the, I suppose they can use up to fifteen percent of those grapes to go into their champagne. Um, with any of these um, appellations, usually, you know, anything more than fifteen percent of something from an early, for instance, a vintage. If you get a wine that says two thousand and ten, at least I believe eighty-five percent of that has got to be grapes from that year. But you, uh, to, to keep a consistency over the year, you can, for want of a better word, fortify it with wines that you've kept over from previous year. And I suppose, um, you know, it, you know, the whole idea is to balance out not the best wines, because obviously when you're having a vintage work you're, and you're talking about your Grand Cru, you want that to be the best it is. So that 2005 was an excellent year. It looks like 2010 is going to be an excellent year, you know. 1995 or whatever, it was a good year. So, um, and is it 2001? So the point is that 
you can do that. Um, and I believe the, that what they look for in these fields is obviously this south facing. But they look for what, think of a Roman amphitheatre. You know, think of the shape of those open air amphitheatres. That's the shape they want because that then, uh, on a on a, a, a something like a thirty degree slope, because it basically tracks the movement of the sun. So that that whole, uh, it's like a a shaped sun trap, and of course it's then at that angle it's drained and so on. And they, uh, and quite often what they do if there aren't large stones under the soil, they actually bury them under the soil. And the reason for that, of course, is in the, at night time, uh, the stones retain the heat of the sun longer and they keep the ambient temperature of the subsoil, you know, above freezing. So um, uh, that's one of the things they're doing. Anyway, we're about 40 minutes into the show. Uh, we might have a little after show and a little chat. But um, let's just, I'm just going one more time to this um page let's see if it just um, says oh yes let me read this little paragraph um types of celebrity involvement uh, there are different types of degrees of involvement that celebrities will have with their winery and vineyard nearly all of them partner in some form of collaboration with a winery or winemaker who is already established in the industry uh, the uh, an example of this is the retired american football player joe montana who partnered with long-time Beringer winemaker Ed Sprabinger. Why do they have names I can't read? Sprabinger, something, to make their venture. Um, uh, to a similar extent, uh, the celebrity may own their own wine brand, which is produced with their collaborating winery. Instead of owning a physical winery, our wine estate itself, uh, and it gives an example of that, um, and then some, such as the French actor Gerard Depardieu, will be very active both in the production and business dealings of the winery. Depardieu, who owns wineries in several countries across the globe, even has his passport listing his occupation as vinegar. I should be able to pronounce this word now. Vinegron. I'll, I'll put that word and we'll, uh, we'll put the wiki page for that. Um, and it is spelt once I find it V I G. Now everybody knows they're listening to an expert now, don't they? You've never heard of that name, or you can't pronounce it. How can you pronounce that, Jorvik? Uh, Vigoron. Vigoron. Um, is it a French word? Oh, yeah, I would think so, yeah. It's someone who cultivates a vineyard for winemaking. The word uh, emphasises... Yeah, they, they, the... they would say vineron, wouldn't they? Vineron, right. Vineron. Right. Okay, well, um, so there you have it. Um, and there's lots of other words like that. Um, the, the, in fact, uh, another TV programme recently called Pointless... Uh, I think they had uh, that word in, and that is um, the study of all aspects of wine, and I can still never pronounce it. It's O-E-N-O-L-O-G-Y. And I don't know whether you want to attempt to pronounce it. Did it pronounce it here? 
It doesn't tell you how to pronounce it. Vignon. 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 Okay. I think before my complete... Uh, any reputation of knowing anything about wine just disappears in a puff of smoke, I think it might be a good opportunity to bring the recording aspect to the show. Thank you, Jovic, for your help. Uh, always great to have you on. Thank you for your um, uh, patience at the beginning when I was doing that double-headed uh, start. And uh, next week, Big and Fruity Wine Podcast, episode 36, will be Big and Fruity on standby. Yes, I'll be talking about one of my regular standby wines that I probably drink at least once once a month, maybe more frequently. Uh, especially if, uh, as you heard with uh, Jorvik, sometimes you, you, you might buy half a dozen wines discounted and therefore you drink that one slightly more regularly for a short period of time. So with that, I'll thank uh, guests three and four who dropped in during the course of the show. Thank you, Jorvik, and uh, I will play us out. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.